Well, a good happy new year to you, and I can't think of a better way to start the year than to be in a building together, worshiping and singing and celebrating baptism and now opening up the scriptures uh, together. New Year's is one of those weird ones. It's you either love the first day or you just hate it. I'm, I'm a planner by nature and I'm a goal setter. So any first is cool for me, like first day of the week. All right, here we go. And first day of the month, first of the quarter, first of anything. I, I love, so I, I love to map out what I hope will happen this year. But whether you're a planner by nature or not, it just so happens we're in a fantastic text that's going to guide us to ask the right questions. What's going to unfold this year? I mean, none of us know. We've got a dear friend, a family friend, part of our church community, part of our uh, Sunset, uh, Sunset, 26 West Church. I'm going to get our church name right. (laughs) Part of our Solid Rock. (laughs) Do you remember back in the day? Anyway, it's another story. Uh, the problem with a one take is the podcast is what the podcast is. <laughs> but um, part of our community, Michael, you know, was just diagnosed with cancer, colon cancer, just a couple of days ago. And so here you are in a whole unexpected twist from a little family getaway at the coast to, whoa, what's the year going to look like? You can't map out your future. You just can't. But you as a Jesus follower can learn to ask the right kinds of questions when it comes to your time and when it comes to today and it comes to what God has for your world. And so what I want to do is in two parts, we're going to look at the text, but more than just looking at the text, we're going to look into the mind of Paul as he asks questions. So first little review, some of you are new to the church We're in Romans at the end of chapter 2, but Romans is in six parts. So let's just review real quick. Where are we in Romans? This is part 2. Part 1 was Romans 1, 1 through 17, which is the message of the good news. Look, if you have your Bible, just open up to 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, or I'm not ashamed of the good news, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew then to the Gentiles. So the good news is for everyone. At the beginning, Paul says, I love you people in Rome. Never been there. I'm coming. You just need to know what the message of Jesus is. It's there's real rescue for everyone. That is our message. That's why we're here. But what does that mean in the real world? So the second section, which we're in right now, is the heart of the good news. What happens when someone says, yeah, I want to go the way of Jesus? What happens inside? What happens around? And in the middle of this section, what we're seeing is, in order to see how beautiful the good news is, Paul first goes dark and says how bad our situation was. So we saw at the end of chapter 1, everyone is on the sin list. You you see it at the end of of Romans 1, like we're all off the mark of God's perfection. But... Being religious doesn't necessarily give you the upper hand. And that was Romans 2. Being a Jew by birth or a God follower by tradition, if you follow God's Torah, God's law, if you go to the temple and worship, if you keep the holy days, that doesn't give you necessarily an upper hand in terms of relationship 
to Jesus. How do we know that? End of chapter 2, verse 28. A person is not a Jew who is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the what? Heart by the who? Spirit, not by the written code. So he's saying the good news that's, that I'm sharing is that being ethnically Jewish doesn't make you closer to God, which is good news for the majority of the world, us. Because by background, you may not have any religious inclination. And Paul clearly says the good news is closeness to God doesn't come by family background or by what you did. No, it's inward. It's an inner transformation. And how does it happen? By going to church, by reading the Bible, by giving, by whatever. No, no, by the person of the Holy Spirit. Being set apart to live with God is done by God. So God knows you're far. God brings you close. And God is the one who makes it happen, which is encouraging for your type A, do it in your own strength people. It's sarcasm. You can't make yourself right with God. But Jesus can and did. So that's the good news. The external sign doesn't mean that you're internally changed. Now, so there's no advantage to being Jewish and there's no advantage to being non-Jewish. God loves everyone and Jesus came to rescue everyone. So let's pick it up now in chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then is there in being a Jew or what value is there in circumcision? And this is Paul like contradicts himself. Much in every way. He just said there's no value in being Jewish by background. There's no value in circumcision. But now he says, yeah, there is a value. First of all, and Paul, if you read the rest of Romans, never gets to second. <laughs> he gives the first point and then he moves on to something else. I like him. He's scattered, you know. Uh, so he says, first of all, what do you say? The Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. So is being Jewish an advantage? Here's what we're going to do. Look at the text real quick, and then we're going to ask good questions about our, life, our lives. Okay, so is being Jewish an advantage? Paul says no. On the other hand, he says, well, actually, there is one, but it's not what you think. The Jews thought by having the temple and having Torah, the, the scriptures, and by having the sign of circumcision, they were closer to God than the rest of us. And that's not their advantage, but there is one subtly. God entrusted one group of people, more literally, with the oracles of God, the sayings of God. God did give one group of people his stamp of what the world should be like. And so they did have an advantage. So, but the, the problem is the scriptures, God's words to them, weren't just for them. So by the time of Jesus, rather than this group of people saying, look what God has said, look what God has done. Everyone, this is for you. It became us. God's words to us. We're the people. God's scripture was given for the whole world, yet it became just for them. That was never God's intention. And that is a good reminder for us at the beginning of the year. If you know anything about God, 
you know anything about Jesus, if you've learned anything in the scriptures, it's not just for you. God's intention was never just to get through to you. Yes, to you, but to you and then through you. God's words to us, God's presence to us, isn't the end. It's the means to something greater. God cares about others. So just like the Jews had an advantage, they had the presence of God, they weren't to hoard it. And I'm just going to suggest it's possible to forget why God brings us close. But let's remind ourselves at the beginning of the year that whatever God wants to do in us has a greater purpose. He's going to do something in me to see that change happen to somebody else. So, so the Jewish people, we know from reading the Old Testament, they're not faithful to God's words. So what happens, okay, God loves a group of people, and what happens when they don't love him back? The Jews didn't have an advantage. One, because God wasn't just for them. Two, they broke God's commands. Look at verse 3. What if some were unfaithful, which is speaking to the Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And Paul says, with the exclamation point, no way! It's emphatic in the original. Like, no, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. And then he quotes scripture, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. What happens when we're unfaithful to what God has said? Paul's saying, okay, being Jewish isn't an advantage, but at the same time, God is true, and everyone else, if they're not with God, they're not right. Oh, by the way, God has said his agreement with Abraham is going to last forever. Forever. Here was a problem in this early Christian community. God made a promise to a group of people, Abraham and his descendants. But now Jesus says, good news is for everyone. Okay, but what about God's promise that he said is everlasting? Is God going to, is he just done with that? And Paul says, no way. Now, he doesn't go on to explain it. But chapters 9, 10, and 11, which we'll get to in a couple of months, is going to lay out what it means to be a part of the people of God. God has not forgotten his promise. And so in one sense, being Jewish does have a potential blessing for those who choose to believe in Jesus, which Romans 9 through 11 is all about. There is a blessing to be a part of this heritage, but it only comes when you choose to follow Jesus. But God's people are never completely faithful. Hear this. God is. God is faithful when his people are unfaithful. So does God give up on unfaithful people? Absolutely not. Remember when we talked about covenants a couple of weeks ago. When God comes and makes an agreement, there's a sign. And the sign is the penalty if you break the covenant. And so circumcision was a sign of death, cutting away if you left God. But all throughout Israel's history, Israel's always unfaithful, but God always remains faithful. So here's the word from Paul to the church. Here's the word to us. Does having some sort of background give you an advantage with God? No, not necessarily. Everything comes through Jesus. 
But what happens when I'm not faithful to Jesus and I make a mess of it? Am I now discounted? Absolutely not. What God has done throughout Israel's history remains the same in the faithfulness of Jesus. You need to know this. Your relationship to God is not hanging on you always getting it right. God is faithful to you. That's the good news. And so many of us, if you've been following Jesus a long time, could get fall into the trap that, yeah, I'm saved by faith in Jesus, but now I've got to work my way to keep in right line with him. And unfortunately, that's not good news if you know anyone's history. The good news is that we are saved by God's gracious work through faith in Jesus, and we are kept by God's gracious work through faith in Jesus. It starts with Jesus and trusting him. It continues with Jesus and trusting him. It ends with Jesus and trusting him. It never, the, 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 the switch never flips to, okay, now God's been good enough to you. Now, now it's your turn. If that's the case, this is no good news at all because in my own power, apart from Jesus, I don't have any hope anyway. So at the beginning of the year, let's remind ourselves, it's always about the faithfulness of Jesus. Now, Jesus is faithful to judge. We learn that in Romans 2. So God is going to come and get in your grill when you are off because faithfulness to help you when you're stumbling and struggling, you want to do what's right, but you don't. He's faithful to pick you up, but he's also faithful to say, stop. And to allow circumstances in our world when we refuse to listen with our ears to stop us. God is so faithful, he will keep you from jumping off the cliff. Now you say, like, God, why did you do this to me? I knew where you were going. And I'm stopping you. And you're like yelling at me because I'm being good to you. It's like parenting, <laughs> right? And God is a gracious father. So he's faithful to keep us when we don't have the power and to stop us when we feel like we have all the power. Don't test that side of his faithfulness this year. I would encourage you to avoid that. All right, let's just read a couple more verses and we'll apply. But, so Paul's asking all these questions. But if our unrighteousness, if my failure, brings out God's righteousness more clearly, so I'm, I'm off, but if that elevates God's on or God's rightness, what, what do we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? And then in parentheses, I'm using a human argument. Some people are trying to understand, okay, if we're all off and God is the only one that's on, I got a problem. If everyone's unfaithful, why is God going to judge anybody? We're all messed up. Why would he be judging? Verse 6, certainly not. Again, exclamation point, emphatic. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I condemned as a sinner? Well, why not just say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. Okay, so what? I just want to see the, the trail of what he's doing. We're in the middle of, of him talking about the heart of the good news. Chapters 1 and 2, our heart is off. 
And now we're in chapter 3, and we're going to save the rest for next week. But he starts to apply. Okay, if God is on and we're off, he starts wrestling with the implications of faith in Jesus. If everyone's unfaithful, why would God judge? Paul is super clear here. I'm not saying that because we're unfaithful, you should just do whatever you want because there's grace for you. Absolutely not. Some were slanderously saying, now is he talking about a real situation or just hypothetical? I don't know. He doesn't say. But Paul plants churches in all sorts of cities and people were new to God, new to Jesus. So they start saying, okay, well, there's grace for me. So basically I could party Saturday night, come to church on Sunday and I'm okay, right? Because there's grace. And, and some, were, some were saying because Paul says you don't have to be circumcised and keep Torah to be in right relationship with God. Some go to the nth degree of logic. Okay, so game on. Grace. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You got that whole thing wrong. And he's going to come back to that later again and again. So I'll just pause for now. All I want to do, verses 9 through 20, we're going to look at next week. And that will tease out the rest of this argument. All I want to do is see that Paul, in thinking about his faith, is applying it by questioning how I live in light of Jesus. And so I want us to today spend just the rest of our time thinking about the two things he brings up here in our world. Two pressing questions that Paul brings up. The, the circumstances are different, but the questions are like huge to your growth this year. The first is this. What advantages do we enjoy? He's speaking to a mixed church. Some are Jewish. They had an ethnic advantage, they felt. Some were Gentile. Some knew the scriptures by heart. Some were just learning it. Remember, people didn't have copies of the Bible. You didn't have a, you didn't have a whole scroll. Nobody, no one just owned the whole Bible. They, they listened. They went to gatherings. They had the scrolls. They, they, they borrowed a copy. They, they learned, right? So they're trying to figure out, okay, some feel like they're close. Some don't feel like they're close. Well, for us, what advantages do we have? Let's start with faith, but we're going to apply it out. What advantages do you have right now as we start a new year, as we think about growing and experiencing life in Jesus. Let me just ask you a couple questions to tease it out. Do you own a copy of the scriptures? Do you own a copy? Do you know you already have an advantage to everyone that any New Testament writer is writing to? You have a strategic advantage. Do you know that in the history of the church, you have a ginormous, and that's a real word, ginormous advantage to followers of Jesus just 500 years ago? It's only in the last 500 years that people have owned copies of the Bible in their own language. If English is your primary language, do you have a copy in English? I'm asking ridiculous questions on purpose. Do you know that 57% of the known languages today still do not have all of the Bible in their language? Everyone's like, it's all done. It's not. Now, the major language groups have been reached, but more than half of the languages known today don't have all of the Bible in their language. You and I 
we have an advantage. Do you have internet access and tools to learn? Do you have any books about your faith? Can you access any websites to download, listen, see any content about Jesus? Have you heard of the word podcast? You have an advantage over most of the world. In most of the world, especially in the developing world, internet access is limited and or expensive. We can just download unending things. We have gigs and gigs and gigs of available. And the question is, what are we doing with all of this available access? Do you know any other Jesus followers? Any other Jesus followers? You have an advantage. So you can read or listen, if reading is a struggle, to the scriptures. You can access unending quality content. And if that's not enough, if you don't even know where to go, you know another human being who loves Jesus who can guide you in the right direction. Do you see that as an advantage? Some of us don't even realize how abundantly blessed we are. Now, I don't want to make light of, of the struggles we're facing. I don't want to say life is easy, but I, I do have to suggest that we have enormous advantages and are not tapping into it. So when we have these possibilities and we don't make the most of them, we become like the people Paul is writing to you Jews say you have an advantage because you memorize Torah, but it's not in your heart. And it's not transforming you. And you're not hungry. You don't have, you don't have a passion for Jesus. And so that's, that's the, the challenge. Here's, here's going to make this harder. The routine of coming to weekly gatherings could be toxic to your spiritual growth. It could be absolutely toxic. If... You just let everybody spoon feed you and this is your spiritual fix and that's it. If this is all you get this year and there's no hunger, there's no desire, there's no movement, there's no like, I want to know what God is like, then this is just nothing but a crutch. Now, I'm not saying don't come back, but I'm saying if this isn't a means to an end, you're not making the most of the advantage that God's given you. You can, you can grow this year or you can stall this year. You can, you, can, you can experience the life that Jesus has or just do another year of church. Ever been there like, feel like, I just, I've gone a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. It's like going to the gym. I went, you know, I went 187 times last year. I hit the snack bar. I hung out by the pool. I Cycle for five minutes. I, and you can never break a sweat. But I went. I posted. <laughs> but I didn't do anything. Now, I'm not speaking about me. But, <laughs> but I might be speaking about you. Okay, that's, that's, that's just the dimension of life in Jesus. But it goes to every dimension. Let's just think about this. Learning opportunities. Do you realize that we 
living in the West, living in America, have more educational opportunities. When I say education, I'm not thinking formal or degrees. If that's your path, great. But I'm talking about the ability to stretch yourself and to expand what you know and to to do something new and to tackle something that you never thought you could tackle. You and I, we are... We're overloaded with free available content, let alone the stuff you can pay for, yet we don't tap into it. God has given us minds to think, my friends. And I would encourage you, make it a goal this year to learn something new. Do something. Or if you're in a trade or in a career or in whatever, don't settle. Like I already, you know, forget about what you already know. That's grace. Great. What what could you expand? How could you be a better benefit to your employer if you have one? How could you, by sharpening your skills, make your, your company grow or that school be better? Why don't you push yourself to learn and grow? I learned this the hard way. I've told the story before, but it's worth reminding you, or if you weren't here, uh, I w- I've always done well at school. I could just test well, right? I just know how to test. So always top of my class. Well, by junior year, I could have almost graduated high school. I just had a few more credits left, and my grades were fantastic. I already knew what college I was going to, type A. I, already, I, I was already early entry. I was, I was done. So senior year, I just didn't study because I didn't have to, and I had enough, almost enough credits, so who cares? So what I didn't know, because I didn't read the fine print, was that when you get your scholarship, they actually look at your whole GPA, not just to the point where you apply. So when I got to the end, 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 I could have gotten a presidential scholarship, 100% tuition, 100% room and board, all four years, that I missed by a razor amount because my GPA just went like one fraction under. So I couldn't even apply for it. Now, I still got some other scholarships, and I'm okay, but I learned a deer-in-the-headlights lesson that if I fluff off, it could have repercussions. If I don't continue to push myself, so I wrote and I had it blasted in, my, in front of my desk, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, all throughout college, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And in my own parentheses, stop losing money <laughs> as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So can we choose this year to push ourselves to grow in all of life, not just in in walking it out with Jesus, but in all of life. As a follower of Jesus, you ought to aim the highest. You ought to be the best, not to lord it over people but to use those skills as a tool to bless people. Wouldn't it be great if you owned the company and you could take all your Jesus stuff and bless all your clients and employees with a Jesus influence because you rose to the top. Now maybe that's not God's calling for your life, but you ought to aim as high as you should go. Don't settle for second. Um, I think that's what this question that Paul's asking. If you have advantages, are you using them? Let's look at a couple more. People. People advantages. Do you know because of our connectivity, whether it's online or in person, you can influence people for Jesus. 
You can. You have an advantage. You have neighbors. You have coworkers. You have, you have people in your sphere. And so remember, the Jews were blessed to be a blessing people. God came to Abraham and said, I, 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 want, I want the whole world to know me. I want to work through you so the whole world would know me. And the same way, you and I as followers of Jesus, we have people influence, people opportunity. This year, the temptation will always be me. I just need to unplug. I need to unplug too. But every available hour you need to unplug? Is there no margin in our world to actually, this sounds countercultural, think about other people above thinking about myself? You have a people advantage. Because you know Jesus, you can put others first. Serving opportunities, you can do stuff. You can give stuff. You can share stuff. You can network stuff. You, you have more than enough. You're like, no, I don't. You do. Because you have Jesus. You have more than enough. It may not be in your bank account yet, but you have more than enough. So how are you going to use those more than enough realities for the good of other people? Okay, that's the first question. And there's just one more and we're done. So, what advantages are, do we enjoy? Second one, though, goes along with the first. What excuses are we making? So Paul, if you notice, what he did was he, he, he poked at all these excuses. So, because God's for the Gentiles. Has he given up on the Jews? No way. If I'm unfaithful, is God, is God going to judge anyone? Yeah, here's why. Well, because there's grace, I could do anything. Well, 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 wait a minute. He, he applies faith in Jesus to all of life. So let's just apply excuses. If my evil makes God look better, can I be found guilty? Now, most of us aren't going to go that hardcore. But let me just ask you, what excuses are you making right now why you can't grow closer to walking day by day in God's presence through Jesus? What excuses are you making? Why? Well, I don't know enough. You can. I don't know where to begin. If you know one other Jesus follower, they can help you along. What excuses are we making? The same question could be asked for all of those things, whether it's learning opportunities or people opportunities or serving opportunities. All of us, my friends, this year are marked by advantages and can be held back by excuses if we don't confront them. So what Paul does is he confronts very real, off excuses. And I just want to encourage you this year at the outset, let's invite the Holy Spirit to expose the excuses that we are making. I'm just going to deal with one because 100% of us are going to wrestle with this if we're not wrestling with it right now. Excuse, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Now, this life in Jesus, learning, people, serving, exercise, diet, health, whatever, I don't have the time. And... And there are legitimate 
constraints in life. There are, absolutely. You're dealing with a medical condition or you have a child or a brother or a spouse, whatever, that has overwhelming needs and you're, that, that, that is gonna, that's going to be a challenge for you. But you do have the time. Let's just not make this, uh, well, I, I would, but I, I have to. You, my friend, own every minute, every hour, every day, and you're going to choose to invest it in the things that are most important to you. And so we get the opportunity at the beginning of a year to invite the Holy Spirit to help us see time as an advantage and a gift and not a curse. You can. What? I'm just going to give you one. Like, I don't know if I, you can walk or do something mobile if, you, if you're physically able to for 15 minutes and listen to the Bible at the same time. And hear what God has to say and get your cardio on. And by the middle of the year, you could do it with your little dumbbells or whatever you do. If you need people time, you could, you could walk with someone. What I'm saying is be strategic. You could walk with someone and, and get a little bit of physical activity and talk about life. Do you know you can talk to Jesus and run at the same time? And it'll keep your heart rate low enough because you should be running at a speed where you could still talk because otherwise you're pushing it too hard. Thank you, Christian Isaacson. <laughs> what I'm saying is be wise this year and use the time that God is going to grace you with. And here's why. You don't know how long you have that time. So let's make the most of the advantages and let's stop making excuses. All right, now that <laughs> you look so unhappy, this is so, <laughs> as a communicator, this is the most enjoyable part of my day. Because <laughs> I know you want God. And you want what's right and you want what's best and you can enjoy Jesus this year. So here's how we're going to respond. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to guide us. Because you can't become a child of God apart from the Spirit. The heart is changed by the Holy Spirit. So who knows my advantages? Who knows my excuses? The Holy Spirit. So I'm going to throw up some questions on there that you can begin to ask right now. And take a photo of it or write them down. Holy Spirit, where do you want growth? Not, here's what I want to do for you. Where do you want growth? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to cut out or add or adjust? Like, it could be one little tweak. Holy Spirit, what lies am I believing? You're never going to. You always will. Often those are just lies. They're just lies. They're, they're in your head is right. But God's saying, that's not true. You're in Jesus you have the Spirit. Everything you need is there. You can. Or what truth do you need to be reminded of? Like, okay, this is true of me. Here's what I do, and I encourage you to do it. 
Um, I use apps because they're the gift of God. My friends know me. I'm an echo app addict. Echo, E-C-H-O, free app. And you could, it's just a prayer app. You add prayer requests. So I don't, I can't remember everyone's needs. When I hear a need or someone emails me a need or texts me a need, copy, paste, it's in my app. And as I pray or as I run, well, I'm doing, I can, I can see and pray and talk to the Father. But I also do this. Every year I just do scriptures as a note in that app. 2016 scriptures. And when I'm reading throughout the year and a verse comes, I'm like, man, that's for me. Copy, paste. And sometimes I just pray through the things God already told me to remind me because I'm quick to forget. He could do that. Anybody could do that. Or if you need a piece of paper and a pen, whatever, do that. Do, do that. Whatever works for you. Holy Spirit, I want you, I need you to guide me. All right, we're going to sing in a bit. We're going to go to the table. If you need to follow Jesus in obedience and baptism, that's going to be open for you. Just take a minute now. And with those questions up, just don't miss God pressing in on your world. Invite him now, Holy Spirit. What excuse am I making? Forgive me and set me free. The Spirit's going to do it now. So we're just going to give you space. Brandon's going to play for a bit. Meet with Jesus. And then we'll respond and worship.